Take your Bibles, if you would, and let's open the Word of God to Proverbs chapter 17. Proverbs chapter 17. As they sang that song, my mind was going back to the first time I heard it. There was a man in our church um, many years ago who got up to sing with his 12-string guitar. And he carefully picked out the tune to consider the lilies. Man, that was beautiful. I'm telling you. Um, he really had a talent, both for playing and singing. And that's really special when you have a combination like that. And that song impressed me so, I guess be partially because of the way he presented that. And uh, boy, it's been a blessing to my heart ever since. And I appreciate that this morning. Thank you so much. Proverbs 17, we're going to look at one verse this morning, and then we're just going to kind of launch into our thought for today, our message to fathers. And so Proverbs 17, if you found your place, let's stand together for the reading of God's Word, and we're going to look at one verse, verse 6, for our Father's Day message. All right, so let's pray together, and then we're going to read verse number 6. Father, how we love you today, and how we do thank you for the precious Word of God, and we thank you, Lord, also for your role before us as our Heavenly Father. Lord, how you nurture us, how you take care of us, how you meet our needs. Lord, how you've saved us, we thank you so much for all of these wonderful things that we know about you. Now we pray you'd help us as fathers, Lord, to, to mirror some of that, to, to live out the, the attributes that you've given to us of fatherhood. And we pray, Lord, that you'll help us to do our very best in Jesus' name we ask, amen. Verse 6, the Bible says in Proverbs 17, Children's children are the crown of old men, and the glory of children are their fathers. I want you just to read that verse with me one more time as we think about Father's Day and the message before us today. Ready? Children's children are the crown of old men, and the glory of children are their fathers. Thank you so much. You may be seated. I want to bring a message today I've entitled simply, A Godly Father. A Godly Father. You know, this verse is interesting. It just kind of reminds me, a little humorous, of the way kids see their parents. It does tell us that the glory of children are their fathers. And you know how it is when you're kids, you, you look up to your parents and you just think, that they can do everything. You know, we kids trust in their parents, and they look to them for guidance and provision and all of that. And even at night when the lightning howls and thunder roars, they run in their room because they want to get in bed with mom and dad, right? That's, that's where safety is and comfort and security. And they just trust mom and dad, kind of like we have power over the weather or something, you know? <laughs> uh, it's just amazing as we think about how kids see their parents. And that viewpoint of how kids see their parents was reflected when a couple of kids had a conversation about their dads. And one kid said, well, you know, he said, uh, my, my dad writes words on a page and puts it to music. It's called a song. And he said he sent it off to this company and he got a big check for that. And another kid said, oh, that's, that's nothing. He said, my dad, he, he draws pictures on a page, and he said, we sends that off to a company. It becomes blueprints, and he said, and he got a big check for that. And the other kid said, hey, that's nothing. He said, my dad wrote words on a page, 
and called it a sermon. And he said it took four men to collect all the money. (laughs) Isn't that wonderful how kids just see things not always realistic, (laughs) but they see the world through uh, those innocent eyes. And uh, kids always think their parents, their fathers are the best. And uh, you know what? That's the way it should be. And uh, we always appreciate those kind of things. I want to take the word father as an acrostic this morning and just kind of fill in from there. So if you're taking notes, you can just start with the letter F and we're going to come right down F-A-T-H-E-R. We're going to give a meaning for each letter and look at some verses accordingly as we just consider what it, what it means to be a godly father. And this is by no means exhaustive. We could probably change out these words with many other great ones. But I'm going to give you these today just for for thought and for starters as we consider what it means to be a godly father. So let's take the letter F, first of all. And uh, what is is a godly father? Well, first of all, one thing that you, you have to say, undeniably, a godly father is faithful. And so if we use the letter F to consider the thought of faithfulness in the life of a godly father. And let's turn to Proverbs 27 with that in mind. Proverbs 27, and there are many verses we could use. We'll just put this one uh, this morning. The Bible says faithful in Proverbs 27, verse 6. 27, verse 6, it says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Now, you know why we had to use that verse this morning, because, you know, fathers are also disciplinarians, right? And, and, and fathers have the task of making things right and correcting things. Sometimes dad have the unpleasant responsibility of dealing out the discipline in the home. And, you know, until you're a, until you're a father, you don't understand how difficult that can be at times. Right. And how how at times it goes against the grain of what you want to do, what you'd like to do, but you do what you have to do. You do what's needed. And and because because a father loves his children, he disciplines them. Now, there's a right way and a wrong way to discipline. I think we all understand that. And this this isn't a message about discipline, but we know the Bible teaches that we shouldn't discipline in anger. Right? Because the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. We don't use anger as a tool in, in training our children. Uh, so if you're angry, dads, guess what? Hit the pause button. Send them to their room. You go to your room. Cool off. Get your head together before you go in there to take care of God's business in setting things right in the family. Make sure your, 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 your anger's gone. Make sure your spirit's right. And then always, it's a good idea before you give discipline, Always sit down and have a conversation. Make sure your son or your daughter understand what they did wrong, why they're having discipline, why they're being punished, uh, whether it's some kind of, uh, you know, some kind of restriction or, or whether it's an, an actual spanking or whatever the case might be. Um, but you'll, you'll get more leverage. You'll gain more yardage in their heart if you'll do it without anger and without malice. Faithful. You know, fathers need to be faithful, not only in discipline, but faithful in their love, faithful in their support. And, um, you know, that's what our our children need that. You can't leave a child to himself. The Bible says a child left to himself bringing his mother to shame. And so we can't leave them to their own desires and their, their own affections because, you know, the heart is deceitful, the Bible says, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? 
And sometimes the, thing we, the things we want most in life are the things that we need least. And because of that, we have to be willing to say no. Because of that, we have to, we have to step into verse 6, which says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. And sometimes parents have that responsibility of being, of being the tough ones, saying the hard words. No, you can't have that. No, you can't go there. And, uh, you know, those are things that we want to be faithful in. But we want to be faithful in all things, not just faithful in discipline. Faithful in all things. Faithful in our responsibility. Faithful in our provision. Faithful in our protection of our families and our children. A godly father, no doubt, is faithful. And that is a great attribute in the Christian life as well. Uh, you know, the Bible says a lot about Christian faithfulness. Faithful to church. Faithful to God, faithful to reading your Bible and uh, living out what it says. These are some things that every father ought to be attentive to, give some consideration of. And great effort should be ours in the undertaking of being faithful in our lives. Then the letter A, next, father, the letter A stands for affectionate. Affectionate. And I use the word affectionate. Many words could be used there. Because, you know, our families and our children, they need our affirmation, not our anger. And, you know, we need to remember to be affectionate. The world pushes the image of a tough dad, the hard as nails, the caveman mentality. Uh, you know, and, and look, dads, men, men need to be tough. We, we need to be able to be tough, rough and tumble and all that. But at the same time, guess what? We need to know how to be gentlemen. Christian men need to have another side. We need to be well-rounded. We, we, need, we need to have uh, the, the ability to handle some roughness, but guess what? We ought to have a polished side. We ought to be able to enjoy some of the finer things in life. We need to develop a little culture and character to us and not just be barbarians in the way we handle ourselves and conduct our lives and families. We need to be affectionate. Turn with me, if you would, to Colossians chapter 3. And, of course, again, there are many verses you could, you could put with this. But in the New Testament, Galatians, Ephesians, and here Colossians, Philippians in between, and Colossians, uh, they're, they're, they address this topic of affection. In Colossians 3, verse 19, the Bible says there, Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Um, in Ephesians, the Apostle Paul said something similar when he was addressing the home and the family, um, you know, about, about husbands loving their wives, and, and uh, we'll talk about children in a moment. But notice verse 21 also. It says, fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. And there's nothing that will crush the spirit of a child more than inappropriate anger expressed to them. We need to make sure that we do what the Bible says in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6 is the mirror chapter to Colossians. And in Ephesians 6 verse 4 it says, And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Those, those are two strong words that we need to become familiar with. First of all, the word nurture. You know, there's a lot of people in this world that are not nurturing. 
But a father should not be one of those. We should know how to be nurturing. We should know how to nurture our children. And that is compassionate. That is affectionate. Um, uh, it requires those attributes of compassion and empathy uh, to nurture. And we certainly should. We need to bring our children along in the Christian life. We need to expose them to the truth of God's word, to the salvation of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the things of God in their life. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Admonition. We were talking about some things on the way to church, and my mind went to this word admonition. You know, the Bible says we are, as, as brethren, to admonish one another in the faith. And sometimes that, that sounds, sometimes it's hard to do. Sometimes it sounds like correction or what some people may call judgment, but it's admonition, right? We're, we're admonishing one another. Of course, that admonition is always in the direction of following the Lord, and we should do that. So look, if we are to love one another as brethren and admonish one another, how much more should we do that in our home with our own family? We should admonish our children. We should nurture our own children. And in order to do that, dads, we have to make sure that we are showing affection in the family and affirming our children uh, so that they grow up under that and following the Lord as they go. Next, the letter T, Father. Uh, I have the word teachable. Teachable. I used the word barbarian a minute ago, and I think that's because the world projects manhood as this tough, stubborn, barbarian-type image of, of, of what men are. And they almost present us as brainless maniacs. And, you know, we as Christian men, we have to debunk that. And the only way to really debunk it is not with your talk. You're going to have to debunk that with your life, with the way you live. People are going to have to look at you and say, man, that's totally different than what I was expecting. And when, a, when Christian manhood is, is set next to the image of worldly manhood, it is vastly different than what's projected by them. We need to be teachable. We need to be able to learn. Again, I said a moment ago that we need to have some culture and character about us, that, that we need to enjoy some of the finer things in life. Uh, for example, like reading the scriptures and understanding them. Being able to communicate and articulate the teachings of Christ and the Bible. We certainly need to be able to do that within our home. Look at 1 Peter chapter 3 with me, if you, if you would, for a moment. And this begins, by the way, before you ever have kids. As a Christian man, God wants us to be teachable. In other words, he wants us to be a learner, be able to learn and adapt. 1 Peter chapter 3, in verse 7, the Bible says, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them. That word them there, speaking of your wife. Dwell with them, talking about your wife, according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Let's explain a couple things. The Bible is not saying that women are weak. That's not the message of this verse. The Bible says that husbands should give honor to their wives. Listen to this as the weaker vessel. The word weaker in that passage is not really referring to weakness, but it's, it's referring to delicacy. So the idea here is that the, hun the husband 
would handle his wife carefully, that he would handle her well, the way you would handle fine china. Would anybody here say china is weak? No. But we do understand that if you drop it, it will break. It's delicate. You don't throw it across the room like you would a paper plate. We would consider the way we handle fine china, we we would say we would handle it more respectfully, more carefully than we would paper goods, right? A Dixie cup. That is the way God is saying we should handle our wives. And then, of course, obviously our children. We need to handle them delicately. We need to handle them respectfully. We need to handle them with care because we understand they're more valuable. They're more precious than the Dixie cup that you just throw away. Right? And by the way, girls, the guys that that treat girls like a Dixie cup, guess what? He, He doesn't marry that kind. Those aren't keepers. So just kind of remember that as you go along your way. And men, we need to be teachable. We, we need to notice it says dwell with them according to knowledge. That, you know what that means? That means we have to learn how to do this. We have to learn some things about our wife. We have to learn and study them. You know what? Because no man knows all of the things about living with a woman and how to handle her and how to deal with all of that. We, we, don't, we don't know that. By the way, we're never going to learn it all. Not because we're not capable, but because there's too much volume. <laughs> You're just never going to know it all, right? And, and so, look, we have to enter this thing with a willingness, with a teachable spirit, with a willingness to grow and learn and develop. And that's the right way. That's what God says of us. This is our responsibility, to be teachable, to have that knowledge We're going to have to gain that over time and experience through learning. Yes, there's going to be mistakes along the way, but we are to be teachable, not stubborn, not hard-headed, not not, uh, unimpressionable. Okay? Again, we're not cavemen. We're not stone. So we're to go into this and let God work His tender mercies inside of us as we learn how to do these things, as we learn how to take care of our wives in in this way, like that fine china that this verse is really describing, the weaker vessel, it says, okay? It's a reference to something more valuable, more delicate uh, than something like a paper plate. So we want to handle it well, and we want to be good at what we do. So we want to make sure that we're teachable. And by the way, what kind of a message does that send to our kids when they see us willing to study and learn, willing to figure things out and accept truth, sometimes change our ways in order to correctly deal with and address the things in life that are before us, mending our relationship, improving it as we go, solving problems, building as time goes on. And, you know, we do that first with our wives, and then, of course, we're going to do that with our kids. We're going to raise them as children in hopes that one day they're going to be our friends. One day they're going to be independent. They're going to stand shoulder to shoulder with us. And we want them, we want our sons to be men, like the psalmist said. And we want our daughters to be polished after some multitude of a palace. We want them to be um, mature, grown up, it says, even in their youth. 
The only way for that to happen is, dads, we have to, we have to portray the right character in front of them. And that includes being teachable. And then there's the letter H. I like this one. You're going to like it too. The letter H stands for happy. And what father doesn't want to be happy? Right? Happy. Now, this is in the Bible. I'm not just wishful thinking here. This is in the Bible. So let's, let's turn to Psalm 127, and let's see the happiness that comes from the home. In Psalm 127, dads should be happy. And uh, let's, let's look at this. 127, and we'll look at verse number 5. Psalm 127, verse 5 Talking about children and their arrows in verse 4. Verse 3 says, Lo, children are heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward. Arrows are in the hand of the mighty man, so are children of the youth. And uh, then verse 5 says, Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. You know, if we raise our children right, they should be prepared to face the enemies when they grow up when it's their turn, right? We, we give them the advantage, as I've told my children before. You stand on our shoulders, right? We learned some of the hard lessons. We, we bumped our head against the wall. We're, we're now teaching you, and, and we're passing on all this knowledge. You're being raised in, in, in a Christian home in the environment of God's Word. You have the advantage. Use it, Right? And the heart of every dad should be that their kids would be, be better than I was. And I've challenged my kids before. I'll do it again. Two of them are here. Be a better Christian than me and your mom. Beat us. Go for it. Nothing would make us happier than for you to turn out uh, to be a great Christian in your own life. How do you do that? Well, it says happier are, are, is the man. Happier fathers. And you know what? Our children... This is biblical right here. Our children should make us happy. Amen? Every child should understand that. If you're, a, if you're a son or daughter in this room, this verse is teaching that you should bring happiness to your dad. How do you do that? Well, if you know your dad, then I suggest you probably know how to do that. How do you bring happiness to your dad? Come on, y'all got to relax a little bit. I'm trying to throw some humor in here, and uh, y'all just aren't getting it. <laughs> Make your dad happy, amen? Hey, that is some good Father's Day humor. Actually, what this verse is teaching is not just that kids should make their dads happy, although I, uh, I like that application. The, the real interpretation here is that their presence brings happiness. And the reason is because children are valued. Now look, we're, we're living in a world that's changing on that. We're entering into times where children are not necessarily valued. They're not looked at as a blessing. They're not seen as God's reward to the home. But they are. And in our text here, we're finding that the reason the father is happy is because he understands this. And he sees his children, as, as the Bible says it is, as the reward, in verse 3, the reward from God. And so he values the very presence 
of those children. The fact that they're there is valuable and happy to him. Isn't that great? And you know, every good parent loves for their children to be present. There's something about them being there. There's something about um, having them around that's just precious and fun and happy. And thank God for that. That's the way it should be. And so their presence is valued. Let's make sure we value the presence, the person of our children. Make sure they know that. And if you're blessed enough to have grandchildren, remember that as they come up, that they should be valued. And you know, I think one of the, one of the essentials of life for all of us as individuals is that we need to sense, we need to feel, and we need to know that we are valued, that we are loved by those who are closest around us. You know, we're living in a world where that is eroding, and that's one of the foundational principles of life. That's one of the things that should never erode. That should never be taken away. We need to restore that in our society, and the only way to do that is for us. The Bible says, let judgment begin at the house of God. We who who are believers, we who know better, we need to make sure that we live this value and value our children. And then next, the letter E stands for example. Because we are to be examples to our children. Deuteronomy chapter 6 is a great place to go. Let's actually go to Deuteronomy 11. These are two uh, passages that are basically uh, mirrors of each other. Deuteronomy chapter 11, and we're going to look at two verses here. Verse 18 and 19. And in order to be a godly father, we need to be an example to our children. Verse 18 says, Therefore shall ye lay up these my words, where? On the shelf? On top of the refrigerator? Under the TV? On the coffee table? On the bookshelf down the hall? No? He says, lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul. And bind them for a sign upon your hand that they may be as frontlets between your eyes. The idea was that they would guide you as you go forward. In verse 19, And ye shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. You know, Isn't it funny that a lot of Christian parents, well, they want to live like the world and the devil, but they want their kids to grow up to be missionaries. (laughs) That is not how it works. Not how it works. We're to be examples to them. This is what God said. This is what the Bible teaches. As a dad, we need to live out that example. Don't send your children to church. Bring them. Be the example. Live the Christian life that you want them to live. Too many parents have said, do as I say, not as I do. But we all know that doesn't work because the kids looking on, in their mind, they're saying, what you do speaks so loud I can't hear what you say. And then they do, don't they? They end up following our footsteps. They end up doing what we did, and they don't do what we said. 
And that's the way it works. We have to be an example. God said, this should be in your heart. Then you can teach it to your kids. You know, we've taught our kids. And we've done our best to communicate the things that we've learned about the Bible and about the Lord. The things that we gleaned in our relationship with Christ, we've tried to pass on to them. Every parent has that same responsibility. And for us dads, we have to know that we have the challenge. We have to be an example to them, which means we have to live it before we can teach it to them. It's not going to be in their heart if it's not in your heart. The things that you're going to learn as parents is that your kids are going to your kids are going to learn to value what you value. They're going to think what's important, what you love. And those are the things that are going to stand out to them. They're not going to be exactly like you. That's what we think until we have kids. We think they're going to think exactly like us, and we think they're going to do exactly what we think they're going to do. And then we're going to have kids, and we're going to realize these are not robots, and there's no programming. Uh, they are live human beings, and they are subject to change, <laughs> right? Uh, listen, they will hear, see, and do things that will surprise you. It always amazes me when people see a child do something and then say, yeah, well, he probably saw that from his mom or dad. And I'm thinking, well, you don't have kids. <laughs> you don't know kids are, are free radicals. You don't know they're independent thinkers. You, you don't know that, that kids hear other things besides what their mom and dad say. They pick up on a lot of things. They're like little sponges, man. They absorb. Listen, they are, they are listening when you don't even know they're in the room and they hear what you say. But they also hear what the TV says. They hear what aunts and uncles say. They hear what people at church say. And sometimes they repeat stuff they heard somewhere else. And it shocks you. Whoa, where'd you hear that? So look, get off your high horse. Don't judge parents by everything their kids say <laughs> because they didn't get all of it from mom and dad. I'm telling you right now. Well, if they did, we'd all think our kids are perfect. So if you think your kids are perfect, you're probably deceived. All right. <laughs> you're probably the only one who thinks that because everybody else is looking at reality. And we all know there's no there's nobody perfect. Right. And. Uh, hey, kids are special. And they're unique, but they are individuals, and they learn and grow. And then as they grow, we realize that, guess what? They're going to have their own thoughts and actions, and they're going to have to make their own choices in life. And not all their choices are going to be your choices. As a matter of fact, you're not even going to like all their choices. They're going to do things differently than you do it, okay? And, and, and you've got to be okay with that sometimes. And then sometimes you're not going to be okay with it. And that's where fasting and prayer comes in and all that. You know, we, we understand. And that's why it's so important, dads, for us early on to be examples. Be the example. And by the way, be a faithful example. Remember the first word? Faithful. Faithful consistency is what matters over time. Right? And when Proverbs says... Right? Once they're, they've been exposed to the Lord, bring up a child in the way he should go when he's old. He will not depart from it. The idea, someone said, is that it wouldn't depart from him. Like he can't get away from the truth that's been instilled deep within. It doesn't mean our children will never stray. We know that's not true. 
But they'll never get away from the faithful, consistent example that we set as parents. They'll never, they'll never get away from the truth of, and the power of God's Word that we've given to them. And you know what, dads? That's our job. And let's make sure that we do that. And then the last letter, R, could be many things, but I want to give you this one. Redeemed. Redeemed. Let's look at a couple of verses in the Bible. First, the book of Psalms. Psalm 107. I remember pastoring a church years ago as a young pastor, and I remember one of my deacons saying something that surprised me. Disappointed me, actually. Kind of like a parent sometimes gets a little surprised, maybe disappointed by something their kids might do or say. Here, one of my deacons said something that I thought was very unbiblical. He said, I don't tell nobody I'm a Christian. And I thought, what? Man, you're a deacon. You're more than just a Christian. You're a deacon. You're a teacher. You, 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 you have the opportunity to communicate God's truth in this church. And you don't, you don't know the value of your testimony? You don't understand your responsibility to be a witness in public? Something's wrong with that. Notice what the Bible says in Psalm 107, verse 2. The Bible says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Of course, we could go to the New Testament, and we could talk about witnessing and all of those opportunities and, and see the verses in the Bible uh, where we're supposed to go into, into all the world and preach the gospel, be witnesses, right? So why can't we be a witness at work and at home? Why can't we be a witness in our family, in our neighborhood? Shame on us for lining the back wall with missionaries and expecting them to take the gospel around the world. And we won't even open the Bible in our living room. We won't even share Christ with our relatives, our neighbors, our co-workers. There's something bad wrong with that. And you know what? Every Christian dad has the responsibility to make your testimony known to your family. Your child, listen, if you're saved, your children should know you're saved. They should know your heart for the Lord and what, you, what you've learned from the Bible and what you believe about God. Your children should know that of you. They should know that you, that you care and that you, you're faithful to church. They should know uh, that you love the Lord and that you're saved. You should leave them a legacy, the legacy of your life, and it should be a life of faith as a Christian man. Or, or you should get saved today and at least give them peace of mind so that they know one day that you have a place reserved in heaven. Don't live and die and leave them wondering where you went in the afterlife. Don't let them put you in the ground with uncertainty and broken hearts, fearing. Well, I wonder if Dad knew the Lord. I wonder if he ever went to church. I wonder if he ever read the Bible. Oh, shame on us if that is the case. Look at Romans chapter 10, if you would. New Testament, and we'll close with this passage. Romans chapter 10. 
And the Bible says in verse 11, For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. You know, the last place we should ever be ashamed of our faith is at home, in front of our kids. We should share our faith with them and let them know that we know the Lord and love the Lord. Verse 12 says, For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved. Circle that. That's a biblical word. And you ought to be able to tell your children. You can't do any of this message if you don't let your children know, hey, I'm saved. How about it, Dad? If you're not saved, I want to let you know that today's a good day to get saved. And you're in the right place. We can help you with that. I'd like to take the Bible and show you how to start a relationship with Jesus Christ. And then I hope that you'll let it grow and flourish after that. So much so that everybody who knows you will know that you are the redeemed of the Lord. That you've been bought with a price. Jesus paid it all. And what he gave on the cross of Calvary is the only offering God will accept to wash away sin. And there has to be a time in your life when you came to that reality and understood that you needed a Savior because you were a sinner. And being willing to accept what Jesus did to pay for your sins, you ask him to save you. The Bible says he did, he will. What a truth. And you know, every, every one of our children need to know that. And if you're the example, you do it first, and then you show them how. You accept and receive that truth, and then you explain why to them. A godly father. Oh, there's a lot, lot here this morning. This will challenge you. You can spend the rest of the year working on this one. Being faithful, affectionate, teachable, happy. Being an example and letting folks know that you're redeemed, saved by the grace of God. What a testimony. Hey, let's leave a great godly testimony behind as we let our children know of our faith and give them the assurance that our home is in heaven. And hopefully we help them take care of that in their life so that theirs is too. Let's pray together. Father, how we love you today and how we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to be a godly influence over our kids. Not just to provide worldly goods and food on the table. Not just to make sure they get an education and their driver's license one day and find a job. But, Lord, meeting the most important needs of their life, those spiritual needs, so that they have purpose and understanding, so that they have salvation, so that they know the Lord, and so they can have fruit in their life. Things to show for the spiritual side of life. And, Lord, we just ask you to help us all, all of us dads, Lord, because we cannot do any of these things on our own, we need your power, your strength, your help. And we pray that you'd help us as we do it. There's one here today that doesn't know Christ. I pray today would be their day of redemption. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.